ramifications, a passing, a passing comment and conversation uh, changes a life. The other day I was reversing my ute, which has a tow ball on the back, uh, out of my driveway. And in the car I had Jane and I had uh, Angus and Hugh and then one of Angus's friends and we were on the way to what is called Farmers, which is a missional community that is a peer-led one that we have uh, run by Angus and this other kid and another kid uh, and another two kids, five. <laughs> um, and, uh, and we were reversing out. Now, I live on Rome Road and if you know Rome Road in Melville, it's a bit of a quite busy and uh, I was reversing out and it was it's been hard rubbish in our area and so I couldn't quite see up the road well enough so I'm just edging out little by little to see if a car's coming and my tow bar must have just been hanging out the road and bang I won't repeat what I said I don't think I can actually say it from the pulpit um, but you can imagine and I I split this guy's tire, and then I, and then so he went down the road like this, and then I and I sort of scraped right up the side of his car, and I did a pretty good job on it. It's the first accident I've been in, car accident actually, uh, and I didn't. I mean, I'm insured, of course, 500 excess, but uh, it's just a small thing, just a small thing with huge uh, ramifications. Last last week, you may have read a tragic story of a car full of teenagers, a 17-year-old driver, just one mistake, just clipped a gutter car flipped and killed instantly the driver, a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old. Life just gone. Huge ramifications, small mistake. And however it start, however this, this virus started, it's just a tiny microscopic thing, but over the last two years it's brought the world to its knees. Small thing, huge ramifications. And it's just a small thing in our reading today. Uh, it seems innocuous, and we read it in verse 1 that Certain people, this group of people have come from Jerusalem and from Judea down south, made their way uh, up to Antioch and have said, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Circumcision. It's just a bit of skin. I don't, I don't have any slides for this one. You'll probably be glad that I don't. Um... <laughs> The procedure, I'm told, only takes a few seconds and then it's a week of recovery and Bob's your uncle, you're back. It's, uh, it's a small thing. Now, I'm being a bit flippant, aren't I, of course? Uh, because these people who are teaching this, Paul addresses them in another letter that, he's, that he wrote to these churches that he's just planted in Galatia, in the book of Galatians, and he calls them the circumcision group. And actually, in one part of Galatians, he said, I wish they'd go the whole way. Not just circumcision, but well, you do the rest. Uh, and so this group, um, this group has come and he's teaching this new doctrine. Can't Paul and Barnabas just let sleeping dogs lie? Can't they just be tolerant? For goodness sake. seems Paul and Barnabas' response here is totally disproportionate. 
So just this small little thing. I mean, have a listen. Verse 2. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debated with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up. That's confusing. That means go down. Another sermon. To Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. So you have to ask, is this really worth a sharp dispute? Is this really worth leaving New Jerusalem? Is it really worth funding a trip all that way? Surely that money could be used in a better way for the poor, for widows, for orphans. You see, Paul and Barnabas, they've been on a bit of a roll just recently. They've been they've been on a mission trip. Paul and Barnabas. I didn't do that well in geography, so just bear with me. This is Antioch up here. This is the, the church that Paul and Barnabas have come from. Uh, and they're going down here to Jerusalem. And they've been on a mission trip. And the mission trip they've been on, they left from here. You can read it in Acts 13 come from Antioch here, they've made through their way through Crete here, they were with a guy called John Mark, he got up here and missed his mum and he went home and then they planted three or four churches here and they appointed elders in them and then they sort of went through and helped them and then they made their way back to Antioch and now they're going on this junket trip down to Jerusalem, down the coast. Do they really have to carve out this time for such a small thing? They should be on mission. That's what they're good at. They're good at going on mission, making disciples and planting churches. They should stay in their lane. It seems like Paul and Barnabas, dare I say it, are fundamentalists. They seem totally dogmatic about a small issue of circumcision. But as we've heard, little things can make a huge difference. So, in verse 5, verse 5 is the same thing as verse 1. It kicks off this theological debate. And you don't hear many sermons on Acts 15 because theological debates are boring for most people. I hope this is not going to be too boring. But it's this debate that's going on and there's three speeches given, three talks given that are against what this teaching about being circumcised, it's against that teaching that you have to be circumcised to be saved. We see three responses. Uh, We have one speech from Peter, verses 7 to 11, one from Paul and Barnabas in verse 12, that's short, I'm sure it wouldn't have been, but... It is in our Bibles. And then we have one from James, and he's the leader of the church. He's Jesus' brother. He's probably the head moderator of this debate. And he speaks from verse 13 to 21. And what I want us to do just in, in today is to dig a little bit into Peter's speech, because there's lots in this. But we're just going to touch a few little points on uh, Peter, because I think in that we discover why this seem, seemingly innocuous argument Cause such a reaction. 
So let's read it up. Pick, let's read it together, picking it up in verse 7. This is from the NIV. I'm sorry. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips. That's interesting. Um, that they'll hear the gospel from what I say. It's a proclamation of the gospel. You've got to be able to speak it. You've got to be able to tell what God's done, what he's doing, and what he'll do. So he's speaking from his lips the message of the gospel, and they believed. What's interesting here is that Paul is actually going back in history. You can read about it in Acts 10, where he, Peter, sorry, when he spoke and the first Gentile convert, Cornelius, came to faith. And then a bunch of Gentiles came to faith on top of that, and not one of them was circumcised. Verse 8 goes on. God, who knows the heart. Now, the Greek word there for that phrase, for you Greek geeks out there, theos kardionostos. That means God, the heart knower. Isn't that beautiful? God, the heart knower. The one who knows hearts. That's both amazing and terrifying at the same time. We'll come back to that. But this heart knower showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. He did not discriminate. What what does it mean to, to discriminate? What does that mean? Someone tell me. What does it mean? To divide. One person's better than the other. Choose someone based on something that's sort of not fair. And Yeah? We get it, don't we? When I first, when I was a young Christian, this guy came to Australia. His name was John Lee Clary, and he was a wrestler. He was once a wrestler. Uh, and then he was the second grand wizard of the White Knights of the KKK. That is the number one leader of the KKK in the US. Came to faith because a black preacher was having a debate with him and just told him that he loved him. And that got John so fired up that he tried to burn the church down and caused hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of damage. But eventually the story, is it's a true story, he came to faith. And when he did, that black pastor brought him to his church, the one he tried to burn down, and had him come and preach to the congregation. Half of them didn't come because I was scared of him. But it changed his life. Once leader of the KKK and then now a follower of Jesus. And when he would give his talk, and it was a powerful testimony, he would start by singing that little song that many of us know. Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Should be leading worship. Um, The idea that God would discriminate on any grounds like that, this guy's had his life changed. Jesus doesn't judge on creed and colour and those things. 
So um, Peter, alongside Paul and Barnabas, had started to see this, um, this trickle of Gentiles, non-circumcised people, coming into, coming into faith. That meant women as well, by the way. Let's, women didn't have to be circumcised. I'm sure you're glad about that. Um, sadly, it does happen in the world, but it's terrible. Uh, you'll be praying for people like that uh, on Monday if you're at the, at, um, the prayer for the, uh, the Manleys, <coughs> persecuted church. Um, and so it's, it's an important note that most Christians, remember this, at this time are Jews. Uh, they were raised to, to follow the Mosaic Levitical law. That is a law um, that meant that males had to be circumcised. Uh, and, but when we're talking about circumcision, we're talking about the sort of the whole package here because along with circumcision came all the clean laws and the ceremonial laws. And you can read about them in Leviticus and, and parts of the Old Testament. There's things that you can't touch and things you can and things you can't eat and can't and things that you can wear and you can't. There's hundreds of them. And so all the early Christians did these things because they were Jewish and that's what you did. But when the Gentiles started to, fo- started to come to follow Jesus, they didn't adopt this Mosaic Levitical law or any of those customs. And the reason why was because Paul and his team and Peter and others didn't make them. They didn't have to do it. Why? Because they were just doing what the apostles were taught to do by Jesus, who's God, that we are saved by sheer grace. You can see it in verse 11. That's what Peter says in verse 11. No, it's not by anything you do. It's not by any custom. We believe it through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. We are saved by pure grace, not being better or doing good. The gospel is not good advice. The gospel's good news. It's not something you achieve by being good or becoming better. It's something we receive. It's something that's been done on our behalf. And that is the truth that Peter and others are defending here, the truth of the gospel. Circumcision's not a bad thing. Becoming a Jew's not a bad thing. But it is not required to enter the kingdom of God. It's not required to become a child of God. Martin Lloyd-Jones was this great English preacher of the last century. He had a diagnostic tool that he would use to determine a a person's spiritual understanding of where they were with God. He would ask, are you ready to say you are a Christian? He recounts that over the years, whenever he would ask that question, people would often hesitate and they would say something like, I do not feel that I'm good enough or that I've done enough. At once he knew that they are still thinking in terms of themselves. Their idea still is that they have to make themselves 
good enough to be a Christian. And I could just imagine, I could just imagine Martin Lloyd Jones saying this in his accent. If you've ever heard him, he's a man of great authority. It sounds very modest, but it's the lie of the devil, he says. It's a denial of the faith. You will never be good enough, he says. You'll never be good enough. Nobody is good enough. The essence of the Christian salvation is to say that he is good enough and that I am in him. This is what the heart knower knows. And this is what the heart knower does. See, our hearts are It's our hearts that need circumcision. They need purification, Peter says in verse 9. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, we also read it, how God circumcises the heart. And that's done by only the one who knows the heart, the heart knower. And it must be done from outside in, not inside out. Yesterday, I was at a baby shower, becoming very egalitarian, these things. First time I've ever been there, men and, men and women. Don't know why I was there, but I was there. They'd never been to one. And uh, the people who were having a baby are Dave and Georgia Bignall. If you know them, that's, that's uh, Malcolm's daughter. And Dave, part of this church for a long time. And uh, there were a bunch of kids at this baby shower. I suppose this is what baby showers are like. And... Uh, one girl, she was just the cutest little thing. She was like your little daughter there, like a little lump of caramel, mate. She's just amazing. Anyway, and uh, this little girl had a, had a suitcase, big as her, and um, it was from that movie, that ice, like, Frozen. Frozen. I mean, prick your eye out with needles, mate, if you watch that one. But here she was. She loved it. Absolutely loved it. And written on it said this, Trust your heart with one of the princesses or whatever that is in that story, winking. Trust your heart. Wanted to take a photo of it, but I think the dad would have thought it was a bit weird. Um, and that's the antithesis of the Bible and what it teaches. The Bible teaches that the heart must actually be circumcised, be changed. It is only if the heart has been made new, changed from, from stone to flesh, that the most beautiful news will make sense, that the God of the universe has come in Jesus and is coming again in full power to restore all things and make all things new. It's the heart knower who changes a heart to love God and to love God. Scottish preacher, a guy called Alistair Begg, stealing from him, gives a great example here of God's grace. And he warns, he's warning people that without the cross, uh, without preaching the cross to ourselves, uh, that cross is where God's grace is seen most beautifully, um, where he died for our sin in our place. We did nothing towards receiving this grace except for sinning and for despising God. Yet the one who knew no sin 
became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Begg says that without preaching that, we will always default to faith plus works. It will always be Jesus plus something. Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus anything for the grounds of our salvation. Begg says, if we had to answer the old question, if you're going to die tonight, where would you be? Where would you spend eternity? If we answer in the first person, he says, we've got it wrong. That is, because I believed, because I had faith, or I had this, or I had that. If that's the answer, wrong game. The only proper answer, and this is what the apostles are guarding against in what looks like a little thing in the Jerusalem Council, is that we always answer in the third person. Because he, because he, Think about the the thief on the cross who Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. I'd love to meet him in heaven. And I'd just like to say, how did did this work out for you? I mean, you were never baptised. You never went to Bible study. You don't even know what church membership means. You can't even... Quote the 39 articles, you're like, whatever. You don't know anything. And yet you made it. How did you make it? One of the angels must have asked, don't you know, don't you know what it means to be justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ? Don't you understand that? I could just, no, don't know what you're talking about, mate. Are you sure you don't understand that? Never heard it. What about the doctrine of the Trinity? Don't know what you're talking about. What about the infallibility of the written word? Don't know. So in frustration, I reckon an angel would have got the... Maybe you go, Archangel, test this guy. I can imagine, on what basis? On what basis are you here? thief just says because the man on the middle cross said I can come that's all it is the man on the middle cross that's the only answer that's the only game we're in pack up shop close the door of St Philip's if you preach something else because if, you, if we do, we'll be guilty of what Paul says in verse 10 and James warns in verse 19. You'll put a yoke on the saints that they won't be able to bear. Friends to each other, to Kieran, to me, to anyone else, praying for a new pastor. You either put works on people's backs or you clothe them gently in the righteousness of Christ. that he so magnificently, only him, places on each one of us his righteousness for our sin. 
if the gospel is Jesus plus anything, anything good, planting trees. That's not the gospel. Those who plant trees will think they're smug and better if that's what the gospel is. And those who don't will feel terrible because they're not in. Not against planting trees. It's good advice. It's just not the gospel. It's not good news. It's not good news. The gospel is not joining in what what God is doing. That's good advice. Do it. It's not good news. It's the fruit of the gospel, but not the gospel itself. Friends, this is what the leaders of early Christianity and here at the Jerusalem uh, Council today were guarding people from who probably were very sincere about being circumcised. But it doesn't matter how sincere you are if it's not true. It will never work out. It will go against how the world is made. There is a thing called objective truth. And Jesus claims it. He says, I'm it and the truth and the life. God, the heart knower, saves us by sheer grace in the person of Jesus Christ. Nothing else, no circumcision, no work, it's sheer grace. Without it, we as the church are nothing. Chaff, blown away, forgotten, Nothing. But with it, we are the church of Jesus. And he, he said that he will build us. And the gates of hell will not overcome us. Because of the middle man on the cross. Amen.